This week's episode is brought to you by 6minutemile.com. Running and fitness news hand curated and delivered directly to your inbox multiple times each week. These six easily digestible stories, reviews, and moments of inspiration are like the skim for endurance athletes. Sign up today and you'll get stories like the future of artificial intelligence and run coaching, which are the best gym exercises for runners, and comprehensive reviews of the latest and greatest gear from the top brands in the industry. Looking for your next race? 6-Minute Mile has a great event directory as well. Visit 6minutemile.com, pop in your email address, and sign up for your very own inbox full of endurance goodness. 6minutemile.com By the age of 20, Kat Bradley had run her first 50K. By 23, she had bagged multiple ultra-trail running wins, including a victory at Western States 100 and top 10 finishes and podiums at some of the world's biggest races like the Leadville 100 and UTMB. She even had time to score an FKT, becoming the first woman to go under eight hours on the Grand Canyon's rim-to-rim-to-rim. Simply put, Cat Bradley was born to race ultra-marathons. A collision with a drunk driver took away her hearing in her left ear, left her with a broken pelvis and lingering nerve damage that has delayed rather than derailed her plans. We talk about what it has taken to get back into racing form, why fear of failure leads one to run away from rather than toward one's goals, and which comedian she'd most like to run a long run with. So if you're ready for the show, crank it up and let's go. Welcome to Faster Forward. I am your host, Troy Bousseau. This is a show where we sit down and talk with some amazing people from the endurance community, age groupers and Olympians, adventurers and explorers. We discuss their successes and failures about falling down, getting back up and never ever quitting. While it's not always about finishing, it is most definitely about starting, getting on a journey faster forward. Well, hello, Kat. How are you today? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us here on Faster Forward Show. Today we have Kat Bradley. Uh, probably needs very little introduction to our, our crowd here, but we'll we'll let you do some intros to yourself. But welcome officially to Faster Forward. Thanks. I'm I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on today. So um I'm it's funny, I I saw the clip. You're you're launching your new podcast here. Um uh I guess, what, about two weeks ago, 10 days ago or so with Des? Mm-hmm. And I didn't even put it, I didn't, I hadn't even put it together that the person that I was about to be talking to was the same person um, because it's Kat and Brad. <laughs> and then, so I wasn't even thinking. And then today when I was doing my uh, my research and things on a few things that I wanted to talk about, it was kind of funny that uh, I loved the clip and I'm excited just to see the full show and stuff. So anyway. Oh, good. Cool. I'm glad it, it caught your eye. I mean, it's yeah. almost like better that you saw it and didn't realize it was me. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess it's getting out there. So yeah, indeed. No, I saw it on Instagram, but yeah, it was a super cool little clip and I'm excited for the full show. So, um, but let's, 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 today's about you. So let's talk a little bit about you. You burst onto the ultra scene at a, I mean, a pretty ripe young age, um, did your first 50 K at, 20 but can you tell us a little bit about kind of how you grew up and then you I saw a quote on your website that I want to ask you about in a minute but um, I'm hoping to dig in a little bit kind of what got you into running and then ultimately into ultras and then we'll we'll reverse into that question yeah um totally so I you know was um a competitive high school runner and then a um you know had a short collegiate career I was um recruited to uh, run in um at UCSB which is a D1 school and 
um, got there and, you know, was kind of, um, you know, there's just a lot going on. And I um, decided to take a step back and, you know, then I like got into the outdoor industry, which led me into trail running. um, And it combined my two loves, um, you know, the outdoors and running, you know, and running was never not going to be a part of my life. So I, um, you know, I started signing up for trail races and I, you know, was lucky to um, meet a super cool trail community um, kind of led by Louis Escobar, who's, you know, a longtime trail and ultra runner. And, you know, he and his wife, Beverly, took me in and I, um, you know, and I just decided to go all in. He, um, you know, I, he, he would never tell me directly, but he kind of did it in Lewis. That is in a way that, you know, I would, it would definitely get back to me that he, you know, he thought I could be really good. And, you know, um, I, I felt that. And, um, so I, I went for it and then here I am. And here you are. Yeah. I think you cut a couple corners there, but in, in high school, were you, <laughs> did you, were you more of a, a cross country or track? Did, which did you prefer? Which did you feel more home? Um, home I at? definitely preferred cross country. Okay. Um, although I had a lot of success in track, mm-hmm. um, um, and, uh, specifically in the 800. So, um, you know, but definitely like the cross country is where I had the most fun. And, was it because um, of the, the team aspect where everybody's doing the same thing? Was it that you preferred running a little bit longer? What was it that you liked more about cross um, country? I think I liked running longer. I think I liked the variety of terrain, you know, um, growing up in Hawaii, like I, you know, the cross country courses on the mainland, like are all like golf courses and Mm. um, growing up in Hawaii, like we had some rugged cross country, you know, they were legit trails, you know, I, the one like it had like single track and, you know, in a 5k, like 700 feet of gain. (laughs) Um, So, you know, rugged races and, and I, I think I loved that. And, um, and I don't know, it was, you know, um, I, I liked track because I still got to run and I got, I really loved running fast and I loved the structure, but, um, you know, cross country races were much more fun to me, Mm. you know, for a lot of reasons. I think a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. I just finished, um, what made Maddie run? Did you, have you ever read that? Uh, uh, I don't know. If, I, I, I mean, I recommend it. It's a heartbreaking story. It's about a, a girl who she grew up, uh, you know, state level, national level soccer player, switched over to track, got recruited. Um, long story short, she, she went to Penn, ended up committing suicide. And it's a, it's a really heavy book, but it, um, it delves into, um, a lot of the challenges that especially young people today are going through it in these like super prestigious, high profile, high pressure academic and, and sports settings. Um, anyway, so fantastic book. I recommend it, but, um, it, it reminded me of the question, um, in terms of kind of where your opportunities lie. You had mentioned UCSB where your opportunities were, and, and how sometimes they match up and everything is perfect and, you know, it's all rainbows and unicorns. And then sometimes those opportunities, um, sort of become a curse in a way. What was it about that that didn't quite fit 
where you were in your life in college? Um, you know, I, I think it was a, a few things. Um, first I went from being like a big fish in a small pond, Mm -hmm. you know, I was very successful on the state level. Um, and you know, going from that to a high powered D1 school, um, where, you know, everyone is hyper competitive all the time. Um, and it's a different, you know, um, it's oh, a no. it's a different oh, culture, and then I also think, um, you know, what was that? Sorry, the the connection broke up there right as you were right as you were getting into it. You're big fish, small pond, oh, and then sorry. you kind of broke up. It's okay. Yeah, big fish, small pond, and um, and I think you know the that's difficult to accept. You know, when you're super successful at a young age and mm. like you're used to um, doing it, performing well, and then also having um you know the it's just like a different culture in california in general um mm-hmm. coming from hawaii and then um i think like you said it it was just an extreme amount of pressure um that i didn't know how to cope with and you know i was you know i was super afraid of failing and mm-hmm. you know and because of that i was like um you know, when you're, you have to win because you're terrified of losing, um, mm-hmm. you know, nothing, it, you know, you're, you're miserable, you know, when you're, you're running away from, as I like to say, instead of running to, when you're, you're not running to your goals, you're running away from like what you're afraid of. So, yeah. um, it was all of that. And like, these things are, I, I think reoccurring and, you know, my career in as a professional trail runner. And I think, you know, a lot of people would echo that same story. Yeah, that, that's interesting because, you know, in ultra, especially you have a lot of people who have kind of gone the opposite direction of, uh, you know, hitting a rock bottom type of moment, like a Katra Corbett or, you know, someone like that, who is literally, you know, it's almost like every victory, every step forward is a victory over where they've been in the past. And so you, you said that it is re reoccurring <laughs> You know, that that whole concept of sort of being afraid to fail or being afraid to win, you know, at the the more you win, then the harder it is to lose. Do you do you still feel that same pressure? Have you learned to deal with it over time? I you know, I think honestly it's something that I'll have to learn over and over again, mm. you know, um in my whole life, you know. I kind and I, I think I'll get it'll get those lessons will get easier yeah. every time. And I, I think maybe that learning curve will um, change, you know, um, and, you know, that period of where that lesson is will hopefully get sh- like shorter. Um, because when you learn that lesson, like it takes sometimes uh, like years to, to get back into a good, healthy mindset. And um, so I think I'll just keep relearning mm. it. I'd say right now I feel you know, confident in myself and like, regardless of what results say, but I think that's come with, you know, the pandemic happening and not being able to race and then having, you know, coming out of the pandemic, you know, having a rough year, a rough 2021 and and now a 2022 season. Um, so I, I think like that sometimes it takes like not, you know, first not being able to race and then not racing well to just learn that lesson. And then, you know, hopefully, 
my trajectory, I, I'm pretty confident that it's only going up right now. Um, and then we'll see how I respond when yeah. I'm, when I'm up there. When you're, when you have those feelings, that kind of fear of failure, do you, is it manifesting itself as like this? Is it an embarrassment? Is it letting yourself down? Do, how could you describe that feeling? Um, that's an interesting question. I, I think, um, ultimately it's, you know, while it is, you know, I'm my own harshest critic and I Mm -hmm. think it's so when you're, you're on this, you know, the momentum's real. And when you have great momentum and, you know, you're doing really well in training and, you know, it feels really good. And it's almost like being afraid to lose that feeling. And I, and also, you know, I tend to, in some aspects of my life, like be a total perfectionist, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And so I think that also, you know, having to be really good at everything is something that, you know, I'm, learned as a kid got me attention and so like and i now is you know it's just like a a habit that was reinforced when i was a kid like oh if i'm like good at something i like get rewarded (laughs) so i think you know and then you take that into your adult life without meaning to and you know mean something completely different so ultimately i think it's you know myself and my own pressure but i think it comes from like um you know habits learned like even when i was a kid like i'm hyper hyper competitive and you know and so when which i when i'm in this phase like i'm my hyper competitiveness comes out because i just love racing like i love being in the thick of it and then when i'm you know on the uh you know and hopefully this again this is not my pattern forever but (laughs) you know when i'm doing well um it's like the racing itself becomes fun less fun that like true competitiveness becomes less fun and it's like you know, um, because that's, there's that pressure there to stay at the top. And I do think it's all internal, you know, but coming from like past external experiences. Yeah. Was your support network where your folks knowingly putting that kind of pressure on you? It it sounds like they were just reinforcing and rewarding victory, but unbeknownst to what sort of the monster that they were creating, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I don't like to uh, talk about um, really my family life that much on Mm. podcasts because I had a super unconventional one and it was Mm. crazy. And um, and not to say that um, it was terrible, but I think it's a product of just any kid being good at anything Mm. gets you attention. And I grew up in a really big family, um, you know, where, uh, you know, the parents worked a lot so like there was four kids always fighting for attention and then Mm. out in the world we um you know we were all high performers and all and so and we found that like you know whether it be from our teachers or from you know usually coaches because we're all extremely athletic um that we got that validation and that felt good you know Got it. Well, didn't mean to 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 pick a scab there. I I I read as yeah, no problem. The sentence that I read on your on your website that kind of struck me was, um, I found a home when it felt like I had none. And so that's where I was, I was kind of going with that of just trying to understand, um, how you, how you relate to, and again, I guess it goes back to my earlier question about cross country versus track and the team 
aspect of it and finding family and, you know, camaraderie with, um, you know, in sport, basically. Yeah. And I think that's always been the case, but especially in trail running. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a few things that I meant by that. Like first I was like, um, you know, because of circumstances and no one's fault, just like circumstances, I was an extremely independent uh, kid and young woman. Um, And then I, um, you know, I was also kind of a weirdo. Like (laughs) I was a nerd, like, you know, I had friends but I was like kind of friends with everyone but um what never had like a friend group just because I was like you know kind of um I was like super nice to everyone and I was that was but I just was like a little different (laughs) so I never like fell into a group um and then until I found trail running and and so like um I you know I I didn't have a home and a friend group and I was the super independent um young woman and you know in trail running i was like i found like the other weirdos who Mm. had like different crazy circumstances and so it made it it made it really it it, you know it felt really good and so i felt home in that community and i also felt home like you know i love the 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 racing and i love um you know being outside and so i felt a home in like this uh, type of movement you know I was like oh this is you know a sport that I I really I I want to do forever yeah. um and like finding a home in that type of movement through the mountains was like you know it's like this whole new world opened up to me and it felt like my world yeah it's an interesting thing about relatability in in these kind of extreme circumstances I I wrestled growing up and and I found like all anybody ever wanted to talk about was the you know, the spitting, the weight cutting, the wearing plastics and, you know, like all of the, the weight cutting aspects of wrestling, which was this weird little, like it's a means to an end. And there's this whole magical world that I think it really did a lot to shape me into the person that I became. And I see a lot of similarities within ultra where it's like, you know, you sit around at a cocktail party probably, and people just want to fixate on the distance or, you know, the, the surface level hard stuff, which probably to you is just such an afterthought. It's all of the other things that you go through, you know, FKTing rim to rim, you know, and, and all of the things that kind of make you cat, right? Do, do you, totally. Okay. And, you know, I think there's something to the hard stuff too. And like, you know, it, to a non ultra runner and to a non wrestler, like, I don't like to really talk about the hard stuff. Um, and by the way, I wrestled in high school too. Oh, nice. Um, and you know, the weight cutting, there was like, I, uh, you know, you could commiserate with your teammates and that yeah. was like part of it and something that's really, and just like when you're doing a hard run or race, like when you get to the finish line, it's like a UTMB and yeah, we all competed against each other in the top 10, but like, we're all like, you know, at the end, like, holy shit, that was yeah. hard. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's the same thing. And so I think that is, you know, um, I do, I do love that part. And I think just like, you know, if a small town goes through a really hard winter together, all of a sudden the community is tighter, you know? Um, but I, you know, I, I, I I cut you off, so I'm not sure what you were going to ask, but, um, uh, you know, I do think that's like a really special part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's like, 
you know, and while I, again, like, as you said, I, when I, if I'm at a cocktail party, I like, I don't even tell people, <laughs> I tell people I do, if they ask what I do, I'm like, I, I do contract stuff. That like, <laughs> and I yeah. don't even like, I never even talk about it. Um, yeah. But like to, a, you know, a fellow warrior who just went through this hard thing or just, right. just like when I wrestled, I had to like cut a ton of weight in a really short amount of period yeah. time once. And just, you know, that commiserating with the teammates, like, you know, there's home in that too. You know, those are your, your comrades. Yeah. Yeah. The second someone asks you why you, you know, why you push forward and, you know, end up on the podium with a, uh, you know, an IV bag with a torn esophagus, or you, you know, cut 25 pounds, you, you almost can't answer that question, you know, to somebody who hasn't done it, who, you know, because of course, like if you talk to somebody and you say, yeah, UTMB is really hard and they say, well, of course it's hard. You know, it's this hundred mile, you know, race through the Alps and stuff, but you're like, no, no, that's not what I mean. Like this specific race was, you know, today was harder because of X and there's 10 people out there that you mm-hmm. can, that can really relate to what you went through. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. I guess there's home in that too. Yeah, indeed. So, um, I want to, I'm going to jump around a little bit here, but I want to talk about, because doing a race like UTMB versus a, an FKT on the rim to rim extremely different circumstances in my eyes. One, you obviously have a flow of racers basically pacing each other, right? Somebody's taking the lead, somebody's falling back. And so, and you, mm-hmm. you understand what the, what the timing and the pacing and all of that's going to be doing a solo effort on, on rim to rim, 42 miles, 12, 12,000 feet, I think of climbing or something along those lines. Um, mm-hmm. How do you, how do you approach that from a, I almost look at it like a software puzzle for me. You know, I have a big project and I have to break it down into small little chunks, make sure that all the people are doing what they need to be doing. How do you break an effort like that, you know, seven, eight hours covering that much distance all by yourself? How do you break that up in your mind? Yeah. Well, I actually had a pacer. So that's a really important piece of information. Um, And so Jim Walmsley paced me Mm. for, um, and he said an ultra runner, um, he paced me for, uh, quite a bit of it. And then I had, um, my friend Nico paced me up the last climb. Um, uh, and, um, so it, you know, I went into it, you know, first like comparing it to UTMB almost doesn't, um, you know, uh, make sense because it, you know, UTMB, you have to be, really conservative in an effort like the grand canyon like it's relatively short and you're just like hanging you're going out hard and hanging on for dear life and hoping you Mm -hmm. um you you do it um that you can break it and and um and that's hard to do that's like it's really difficult um and so but you know i always i i uh, in a lot of ways i really prefer um, doing some of those harder efforts solo anyway, I, I am good at pushing myself when I'm alone and I'm good yeah. at pushing myself when I'm, um, with other people too, but like my favorite time in a race. And I think this is why I tend, uh, to like hundreds a little bit more. Um, my favorite time is during a race is like when I'm solo, you know, mm. I love like when it's really hard and whether that's solo with a pacer, like I enjoy, yeah. running with a pacer too, but, um, 
honestly, when it's like hard and by myself and I'm not like in that, you know, claustrophobic crowd of people. Um, so, you know, that's why, like, honestly, the FKT is like so appealing to me and I mm. would love to do more. Um, they're just, you know, logistically more challenging. Um, yeah. but yeah, it's for me, like it's, it's almost an easier environment to push myself. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. What, what is the, what is a pay? I mean, obviously, you know, um, having someone like Jim pace you, that's, that's, obviously enormous, but what would it, how different do you think that day would have gone without a pacer? Um, does it, is it more just a sort of a logistical aid or is it a much, as much emotional support? Um, so part of the reason I had a pacer is because, um, it, you, you have to have someone verify that Mm -hmm. you were there. Like a lot of people, like their FKTs, especially women have gotten questioned, Mm -hmm. um, as they've been broken. And like, I was breaking a big barrier by, I was the first woman to break eight hours. And since it's gone down quite a bit, but you know, at the time people had tried and tried not been able to break eight hours. So like, I didn't want any, anyone to be able to dispute the effort. So we took like lots of photos of my watch. We were there, you know, Jim was taking videos. So that was a huge part of it. Um, another part of it was, um, you know, definitely keeping that, um, gas on, you know, Jim was experienced in the Canyon and, um, and also someone who I, you know, it's helpful to have, um, like Jim and I had been friends for, um, a few years at that point. Like, and so, and he wasn't like the Jim that he is now where he's like super famous, but it's really helpful to have someone, faster than you on these efforts just mm. like um to be able to uh you know put the gas on and be honest with you like hey like you need to uh pick it up a little bit um and you know i respond really well to that type of feedback mm. um and you know jim's not afraid to give that f- type of feedback but he's also like you know a total goofball too so he can be you know, when you're suffering, he knows, and he knows what it, what it is to suffer. So like, he knows the moments to be a goofball and he knows the moments to like, tell you like, cat, you got to pick it up right here. You know? Um, how much of a risk is it that's running with someone like Jim is going to accidentally just blow your, blow your wheels off and, and, um, push out too hard. He's a, I, you know, I think, um, maybe, a you know, him he's like a super smart athlete i don't think he'd do that um and second i um just ran in front of him and i set the pace and he let me know um so that's how i always run is i i like to um you know leave a pack so he just kind of fell behind me and told me um you know speed up don't speed up um or like you're going steady this is great or even at one point he was like cat you're going too hot right now you gotta slow down um but i uh yeah, it's, um, I think that is a risk. Um, but not if you know yourself and not if your pacer has been like, you know, you just have to have an, someone with some experience or give them really direct instructions. Yeah. So you did a seven fifty two that day. 
Um, it was then later broken at 725. I've talked to uh, Jason Hardrath and Ashley Winchester a couple times on the podcast about their FKT efforts. And I'm always curious to know, you know, what does it feel like when you get news that this FKT that you're so proud of gets broken? Are you are you happy? Are you proud? Are you pissed? Are you motivated? How did you feel about that? Dan? Yeah. Well, I was, so as soon as I broke the FKT, I was super motivated to go back and do it again. It's just, it, it never aligned. Um, because that last, I had like a stellar first 25 and a really hard, I, so I was like basically puking a lot on the last mm. back in the back half. So I was, I had, had no calories, you know, first hours and was just dying. So I knew it was going to go down. Um, and I, you know, I was like, it went down and it, it really motivated me to, you know, I was like, ah, you know, I knew it was going to go down very soon. Um, as soon as I did it, because I was like that, you know, if I broke it, um, with that much, you know, adversity, you know, um, it's going to go down and it actually did not, it took a couple years, which I was really surprised. Um, and, uh, but so as soon as it was broken, it was kind of like a kick in the ass to go for it again. Um, and it, you know, I actually did go for it at one point and, um, and I was wearing a pair of shoes that ripped. And, um, so like got a hitch to ride back on the North Rim, um, in 2019. Um, and, and I, yeah, it's, it was okay, you know, but it was, you know, definitely I, I, um, I was motivated and I still, I'd still love to do it again one day. Um, it just, you know, going back, um, you know, man, I was just like, I just have, you have to be really, really fit. And I just haven't been there. You can't fake that effort. Yeah. Did you, it sounds like because of the, the GI issues and things you, you knew you had time to spare. Did you feel like you had 27 minutes? Did you at the time when it was broken and I guess still do you feel like, you've got that 27 minutes in you? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and on the back half. Um, not right now. I'm right. like not as fit as I was. And I'm, you know, I maybe have more endurance actually, but I'm not. Um, I'm like, uh, have been, you know, doing the longer stuff. Um, but I, I do feel like that. And I, um, you know, I, I, would, I can't wait to give it a go. Yeah. So I don't want to spend too much time on the accident. Um, but let's talk about it. Cause that seems like a big delineation in your career. Uh, I, I think mm-hmm. from, from the outside looking in, it certainly looks, looks like it, you were hit by a drunk driver, broken pelvis, loss of hearing. Do you still have loss of hearing in, in your ear? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this headphone I only wear for the noise canceling. I was going to say, that's <laughs> funny. I, I was, I was kind of afraid to ask, but, um, you yeah. know, this for a runner, um, we can get into the details of the of the accident if you want to, or or we don't have to if you don't want to. But I look at this and I mean it's like a it's like an artist, you know, who all of a sudden <coughs> wakes up one day colorblind, you know. Um, maybe not permanently, but something like a broken pelvis and the rehab that's involved in that. How do you you know, it's, it's like the one thing that you want to do it, for you, it's different for me. It's, you know, running is a, is an outlet for you. It's obviously a completely different animal to you. Um, mm-hmm. 
I don't know what my question is necessarily versus just, you know, like, how do you, how do you going from where you are, you're, you know, you win Western States, you, you know, FKT rim to rim, you've got all these other amazing victories, you know, um, and I'll, I'll post a link to your results and things, but how do you deal with as it's happening? You, on one hand, you're probably grateful to be alive. On the other hand, you're, you know, again, are you angry? Are you, you know, sad? Are you feeling sorry for yourself? How are you, how are you approaching that, that mental rehab? Um, yeah, I think like, you know, it changed a lot, um, throughout and like, even to the day to day, you know, obviously I went through like an intense period of anger. Mm -hmm. Um, I was really, you know, I was, I was pissed. Like I couldn't believe it. Um, and then, you know, I learned more about the man who hit me and, you know, it was his fourth fence and he had to spend a good amount of time in prison and didn't have any other assets. Like, so, you know, you got to feel sorry for him, you know, it was really, really sad too, you know, um, and, and, but also, so like I went through that, um, tons of periods of feeling sorry for myself, like even years later, you know, and my body won't ever be the same because mm -hmm. of it. And, you know, I deal like the hearing is one thing that, you know, it's really difficult, you know, um, I, I like can't hear direction. Um, and it has messed with, um, you know, like my ability to like be at a concert, mm -hmm. um, you know, and just because it's like so overwhelming, not being able to hear direction and, wow. um, and or like going to the bar with your friends like uh, or to a pub you have to like place yourself in a certain way or place to like mm. or like running with friends you got to make sure they're always on my good side or you know mm -hmm. i um and so there's like a lot of little things that you don't think about um and then the other thing is like i have like an insane and it's gotten way better um but like you know the nerve pain from that break was like uh, you know, it really, I, I, it was crazy and I still have some bad days and they've gotten a lot less since I've addressed them, but mm -hmm. it was so frustrating to figure out. And I felt, you know, I had to go to tons of different PTs because I'd go to a PT and I'd feel unheard. I'd be like, tell them a symptom. And, you know, I felt like they were, um, not, I, I felt like I wasn't being listened to by, you know, PTs when I was like trying to describe my pain and, yeah. um, and uh, so, like, I went through, like, dozens of physical therapists, thousands and thousands of dollars, wow. and um, tons of body work, trying to just, like, be able to run um, without it. And, like, you know, I talk about burnout, and that, like, nerve pain um, from that accident was, like, you know, a huge reason why I got so burnt out was because, like, you know, I was running through it every day, you know, mm. and at some point and I like would get started like dreading runs because I'd be like, okay, here's like an hour and a half where I'm just like, it's going to hurt. Um, yeah. and that just got mentally exhausting. You know, it went from like trying to hold white knuckle to like, you know, me just like deciding to step back completely. Um, yeah. but you know, so that, that's where I felt like, you know, during that time when it just feels like you, you know, you're t talking to professionals and you feel like you're not getting, good advice and um or it's not helping at all or in some cases making it worse and um 
it, it and then like you're running and suffering you're not enjoying it anymore you know i felt really sorry for myself actually mm. you know it wasn't until i like took a step back and um you know many steps back many different times um and now like i'm just now starting to rebuild and really focus on it and see a professional twice a week i finally mm. found someone that um, like years later, um, that's been really, really helpful. Um, so it, you know, it's, it's an uphill battle. And, you know, of course, in that there are times where I felt extremely sorry for myself and, mm. you know, that's, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How did it change your perspective as a perfectionist who was afraid to lose knowing that you have, you know, as you said, your body will never be the same and you're fighting through these things. Are, are you, um, were you proud of yourself as you were rehabbing and building strength back and, and getting yourself back to running at a, at a, you know, still a very high level or um, was it just total frustration that you weren't where you used to be? Um, I think it's all, you know, right now is like the first time where I feel like I'm building and I'm getting somewhere. So I think it was just like, total frustration and and also like being determined not to succumb to that pain even and you know not being honest with myself um about where it was like getting all the body work just so much so much body work like massage acupuncture everything to try and manage it instead of like try like succumbing to it and realizing that it like okay um this is not working. Um, and so, um, you know, I feel I, I was like, you know, when I say white knuckling, I was like not being honest with myself and that runs would be bad. Runs would be bad. I wouldn't be doing anything. And then I'd like line up for a race and like all of a sudden, like mile 20, I would like be unable to walk and I'd be like, Oh, that's so weird. Like I had a great training block and yeah. where I would may have had a great training block in the, t- you know, where I got the training in, but I just like, you know, wasn't fully being honest with myself about how bad everything was in the Mm. lead up to it, you know, and, and that, you know, that really sucked to be in that pattern for a long time, because I just like, it would be a total crapshoot whether I'd be able to even finish a race. And, you know, actually, Western States, like, you know, was a case of that, I almost did not start Western, because like, I was having what, you know, is like a flare up, um, right before and Mm. it, um, you know, and then I did and it was great. And, and then like the next few races, it just, I couldn't, I like, you know, I locked up and I couldn't, couldn't finish. And so like, until I, um, and what I mean, like I couldn't walk, like I, I was like incapacitated yeah. and everyone would be like, Oh, but you trained so much. It's just like a hard injury to explain, yeah. um, nerve pain. It's like very painful and very <laughs> real. Um, but, um, yeah, I think like the taking this, I, I really, you know, and, and, um, I took some good time off in 2020 and then I took way more time off in, um, 2021. And I think like taking that step back and then building back slowly and then, you know, finding the right professional to help me has been, Mm. you know, this is the first time that I felt like even remotely, hopeful, you Mm. know, um, that I'm, that things are getting better. Oh, that's good. I'm happy for you. Do you, do you equate or do you tie back your perfectionism 
to being in denial? You didn't want to admit that there was something broken? Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. Total, totally a perfectionist move. I was like, wow. you know, to, you know, and I also have like a habit of, um, you know, thinking that, you know, convincing myself that like I'm faking the pain, which is like such a really weird concept, but I'll be like, you know, this pain is all in my head. I'm just being a baby, even though it's like really real pain. Um, and, uh, you know, I think I was doing that for a long time. I'd be running. I'd be like, this isn't real. Like, I'm just like being a baby, you know, I'm just making excuses, which, which like, it wasn't until I was like, you know, validated in that pain by doctors that like, Oh Yeah. yeah, that I was, that I believed it, you know? Um, and so that was part of it too. And that's definitely part of like being a perfectionist, I think. Wow. In this way. Yeah. About a year ago. Um, do you watch much MMA at all being a wrestler? I watched, yeah, quite a bit, especially a year ago. (laughs) Okay. So Darren Till, you know, from Liverpool, uh, like a year (laughs) ago, he admitted, um, I don't remember which fight it was after, but how scared he was going out to the ring and talked about how, there were many times before, and this is, you know, a guy who has been in line for the title, you know, never, I don't think he's ever fought for the title, but talked about how there were before many fights, he would think about like literally backstage, think about faking an injury or faking illness to not have to go out there, mm-hmm. um, which was just kind of mind blowing. And, you know, I think a lot of fighters after that kind of opened up to that mental aspect of it. Were you, so you just mentioned what you did about kind of that perfectionist mindset. Had you in the past sort of given yourself outs or, you know, thought in that way before a race? Um, yeah, I've definitely thought of of that during a race. And, um, I, and so like, I think that's where it comes from. Um, you know, is like, yeah, you know, that out is always in the back of my mind. And, you know, we deal as endurance athletes, like we have just such a different perspective on pain that you can like really just do anything and you can talk yourself into, you know, continuing when like your body is broken. And so like having, you know, a history of thinking those outs and I've, you know, never acted on them. Um, And that's something that's taken me like a long time to realize is I've never acted on them. But like going back to like even high school, you know, when it hurt really bad in a race, I'd be like, what if I just like pretended to faint right here or something, (laughs) (laughs) you know? And, and, um, uh, and, but, you know, I think if you talk to like every runner that, you know, I think 99% of them have some kind of, uh, you know, they have, they could relate to that. Just like, I'm sure like a lot of fighters can relate to that. It's, you know, scary going into the ring and it's scary lining up to a race when you know a like there's pressure the pressure's on but b like it's gonna hurt you know and there's no getting around that yeah it's such a different um i've never had the relationship that you have to to endurance sports i you know football wrestling baseball you know growing up that's how i felt about wrestling you know, I was expected mm-hmm. and I expected of myself to win every match. And so the nerves were just wild off the charts before a wrestling match. I don't know that I've ever been nervous before a race because, you know, I might get on a podium. I might not, you know, I always had different goals of being in like the top 15 or so percent type of thing and finishers, but I've never had that crushing 
pressure and anxiety going into a race before triathlons. Like I'm always nervous to get in the water just because it's painful and it's, you know, it's never, it's never fun if that's not your, your best skill. But, Mm -hmm. um, it's so remarkable to me that, you know, you couple the pain of something like a UTMB in addition to those nerves, when you have those, those butterflies and those sort of feelings of doubt and fear and all of that, do, do they go away when the, the gun goes off and the race is under or, or is that with you kind of the whole time? Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like the hardest part is standing in the, the at the start line yeah. before, you know, I, and like, even, you know, in ultras, like the first 20 miles, I just wish I want to, I would just want to skip through. Yeah. Um, and it does go away when you're running in that 20 miles, but it's still like high intensity. You're still around a ton of people. Yeah. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, standing in that, on that start line is always, you know, ex- extremely difficult for me i'm like you know i i know what i'm about to embark on i don't know what the finish line is gonna look like you know um and and i just you know it's it's tough yeah (laughs) it is tough um how the, the was your most recent race the broken arrow um, I actually raced um, CCC in Europe, and I I did DNF that one, and that was from like an acute injury. I I um, uh, um, ruptured the bursa in my knee right before, and um, thought I could finish it, so it ended up getting some cortisone shots. And then Broken Arrow, you know, we call that a race, but um, I wasn't actually nervous for that one because I was like, you know, um, I had no. I, I just wanted to go have a fun day. Like I yeah. wasn't putting pressure on myself. I wasn't going to like run fast. I was doing all three races. So like I couldn't be, I like, I, I was like super conservative. Like I ran it yeah. like a 50 K, like a hundred miler. And, um, and I also was very unfit. I was like, mm. I hadn't been really training. Um, so I was just out <laughs> of shape. So like when you're super out of shape, um, there's nothing you can really do. And, and so like, I accepted that and I was just like, yeah. I'm just going to go out and like run for eight hours. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I was, I was just kind of chuckling at your super out of shape comment to finish the 26 K 52 K and the, the, the VK all, uh, you know, three <laughs> days in a row, Wh- which was your favorite of those three? Um, the VK is a four and a half mile with 3,100 feet of gain up to 9,000 yeah. feet. So pretty, that that's pretty similar to mosquito, right? At Leadville on the, on the marathon course. Have you run that? No, I haven't. Um, but I know the course it's probably yeah. pretty similar. Yeah. Pretty similar. Um, okay. it's like not too, like for a BK course, it's not too bad. I, um, will say I was, um, I wore, I, I would have really liked the BK, I think, but I was wearing a pair of like, this is to show like how little I cared. I like wore a pair of prototype shoes for the first oh, time gotcha. on that race. And, um, and there were zero drop and I haven't ever run in zero drop shoes before. Um, and so I, uh, my calves cramped like Oof. crazy. I had to like actually take off my shoe cause my toes were doing like oh. this thing. Um, but I, I actually, I would like to do another VK. I think it was really fun. And like, and as an ultra runner, I don't have very many opportunities to push myself like that. And I was kind of bummed that I didn't get to go lactic because I was like dealing with these 
calf cramps. Um, and then after that, I, you know, maybe I would like the 50 K this time, but you know, I like the 50 K that was a really long race for me since I hadn't been training. Um, so, so I, uh, uh, the 26 K I would say it was my best experience. It's just a nice, like three and a half hour run. (laughs) Nice. Just a, just a jog in the park for you. How important is it for you to do races like that, where you, again, take all that anxiety off and, and your goal is simply to just be there and have fun? Um, that's the first time I'd done that. Okay. Um, that's the first time I'd ever done that. And I uh, probably, I, I don't want to, you know, I did that because of circumstance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would have liked to be in a position to race that. Um, but, um, I think training races work really, really well for some people. Um, but I know myself, I just, I can't put myself in a race situation and like be happy without trying my best. And if I'm like fit, um, you know, and so maybe I would do something like this again. Um, but you know, to be honest, like whenever I, um, pin out a bib and line up at a start line, I'm representing, yeah. the brands that I, I, um, work with and I'm, you know, representing myself as an athlete. And even if I have a bad day, I, I don't want to like not try. And like yeah. it broke an arrow. I was just like, I couldn't put my best foot forward. I like, I could like, if I were to race those races, I would have like overtrained because I was, had not been doing any vert or anything mm. like so i i had no choice but to just like chill yeah. um do you do you but, sort uh, of feel all eyes on you when you're at a race like that even like you you almost want to wear like a a t-shirt that says i'm not really trying <laughs> you know like yeah is well, there additional did, pressure you know, when you're not that i think like at that point i didn't feel any pressure because i um you know there's like a point if you're like fit you know, you feel that pressure because, yeah. you know, your training is, my training is out there. People know what I'm doing. <clears throat> um, so if you're, yeah. if I'm fit, like, I feel like eyes are on me, but if I'm like unfit, and, like in that case, I was so happy to see, uh, you know, I had, this was my first like community event since the pandemic. I hadn't been at something like this since yeah. 2019. Um, and so, you know, I, I didn't feel that way. I felt like really, um, just happy to be there and honestly like happy to complete the distance because I, you know, I didn't know if I was going to be able to considering my buildup. Yeah. That muscle memory that you've built up has got to be astounding for you to be able to complete those three, basically sort of like your couch to ultra sort of. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really was a testament to like my experience. Um, which I'm grateful for because I, it was truly like a couch to ultra (laughs) and not only like, just like, that's a mountain ultra and um, it was hard. And I, you know, so I, you know, and that's another thing, like I was proud of that. And that's the first time I tried to do like a couch to ultra type thing. So, yeah. Is that part of working with somebody on the mental side of like, had you, do you think the old cat would have been equally as proud or is pride something that you've sort of had to allow yourself to feel? Um, definitely something I've had to allow myself to feel. And I think again, like it ebbs and flows. Like yeah. I, it's easy 
to be proud of something when you put no expectations on yourself, you know? And, you know, of course, when I'm like fit and trying really hard, um, that's like a consequence of uh, trying something really hard, like, and it's a risk. Um, And sometimes you like, you fall short and it feels like shit. Um, And, you know, and that's okay. That's like, it's not, not going to feel like shit when you fall short of your goal. Um, But like learning how to cope with that is kind of um, what I've learned. And like, um, and I think just like, again, you know, hitting my own variations of rock bottom has taught me that. And again, I'll probably have to learn that lesson again, but like at Broken Arrow, I felt like I was coming out of like a long, dark, hard period through the pandemic. And then all of a sudden, you know, while I wasn't fit, I was happy to see all my friends for the first time in years. And, um, you know, I was bringing my fiance who's like never been exposed to the ultra running community because we got together during the pandemic, you know, and was Mm -hmm. seeing me as like, and we grew up together. So like, he knows me as like cat from Hawaii and not cat, the runner. So he was seeing who I was in the community, you know, Uh um, and, and that was like a cool experience for both of us and for him to get to, you know, be exposed to that. And, and then he raced too. So he raced the 26 K and, you know, was just blown away by that type of race um so you know it's just a different experience and i could go into it like as a totally different person um so yeah yeah. no that's super cool i you know again i i'm not at all trying to compare myself here i i broke four vertebrae about a year and a half ago while i was training for silver rush and for me it was kind of the opposite that you had, like, I was really proud of myself for, I actually thought I broke my pelvis. I, it was a bike accident mm-hmm. that I, I would have bet money. that was a broken pelvis. And then they said you'd fractured L1 through four, but I would like every day that I was able to walk and then lift and run. And all of those things was like this again, because I had no expectations of myself. I was already mm-hmm. frustrated that I, I sort of had to bow out of silver rush the year before because of some it issues and things like that. But I don't, uh, you know, I'm, it's, it's difficult for me to put myself in your shoes with all of the pressure while you're trying to do, you know, all of this rehab and then way beyond the rehab. It's just like your body, as you said, not responding the way that you're expecting it to respond. How are you feeling? How are you feeling going into Puerto Vallarta? Um, is it next weekend? yeah next weekend which is crazy um i feel pretty good like um you know i it feels kind of surreal i don't feel like i'm racing 100 miles and i think you know i just happen to have like an insanely busy month um and so like it's been you know notice the grindstone getting the volume in you know, being back by 10 a.m., taking meetings till 5 p.m., going on my double, um, doing my strength training. And and so, like, it hasn't quite hit me yet. And I, mm. you know, I, I just started tapering, like, today. Okay. <laughs> and so, you know, um, but I, you know, that said, like, I feel ex- really excited to try hard. I know, um, like, I got COVID during this training block. So, you know, um, I'm wondering, and I didn't know until after the fact. So I'm like wondering how that is going to affect my, my race. Um, like if I'm going to have like lung stuff, but 
you know, ultimately I am just excited to see what happens. I haven't run that, you know, I'm known for hundred milers being my yeah. strongest distance and, you know, I haven't raced a hundred miles since 2019. Wow. And, um, uh, so I just, I like have no idea what to expect. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's kind of cool to feel like, you know, to go into a race feeling like a newbie again. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, I feel super, um, excited to just try and to, you know, yeah. run through the night to run that far again, but also super nervous. Like, yeah. you know, when I was younger doing this, like I, I didn't fully respect the distance and, and some aspect that was like kind of cool because yeah. I, um, just did it like, you know, uh, you know, like you're, you're just, it's a different mindset. And now that I've had that step back yeah. and I've matured a little bit and I, um, you know, have had really hard hundred mile races. Like I respect the distance way more and that, you know, definitely makes it scarier, but yeah. ultimately I'm excited. Like I, I really just, even though, you know, through COVID and through, you know, the, the stress of, um, uh, you know, just having a busy schedule, I, I really truly enjoyed this training block and I haven't enjoyed a training block since probably my Western States training block, like truly enjoyed wow. the, the process. So like, you know, and not comparing this race to Western, like who knows what's going to happen, but, you know, just feeling that enjoyment again and really loving, um, you know, I was on my last long run on Saturday and I was like, wow, this is, this is fun. And I was like, mm. not, I was like 18 miles into a 20 mile run. So like, yeah. it's usually when I'm suffering and, you know, tired of running, but I was still yeah. having fun. So like, I think that's something cool too, that I haven't, um, felt in a long, long time. That's amazing. Well, I'm happy for you. Are you doing the bulk of your training in, in Boulder? Are you in Boulder now? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I did almost all of my training in Boulder. Got it. Okay. I'm just down the street in, in Broomfield. <clears throat> nice. What do you know about the, the course? What are you looking forward to? The Puerto Vallarta race. Um, in the, what am I looking forward to? Yeah, in the course um, itself, just the the sort of the terrain, the setting. Well, that's, I mean, like, the, the thing about this race is, like, you know, that makes me uh, you know, a little bit nervous is no one knows anything about the race. You know, it's the first year it's put on. I was talking to some of the other women doing it, and, like, all of us are like, what? what is happening? There's no information out there um, about what the course looks like. We know the gain we know, but like, we don't know what the terrain is like at all. Oh, wow. um, and so like, I don't even know what to expect. I don't know what I'm going to look forward to. <laughs> I, cool. I, I, it, it's a nighttime start um, at 6 PM. So okay. that'll be interesting. Um, I've done that at UTMB and um, you know, I, I found that I really like night running. Um, mm -hmm during races so um you know hopefully it's a good night but it, i feel like it, the night races are harder because you you know if you do struggle during the day you have to do that later but anyway i'm i'm just curious yeah. i have no idea what to expect <clears throat> for myself or the course or the race so yeah yeah it's a it's a tough thing the night thing i was pacing a guy at leadville and we were at mile 75 and it was i don't know uh 2 30 in the morning and he was chasing the 
cutoffs or the cutoffs were chasing him. And it was, you just knew if he could just make it a couple more hours to sunrise, he'd have been fine, I think. But mm-hmm. he just couldn't make it there. And so the the offset of a 6 p.m. start, you know, in some ways might work in the favor of weaker runners who then have to, you know, like they're, they're maybe doing those miles when it's light out versus dark. So who knows? Yeah, totally. And that's the other, like, you know, I, I just, you know, again, I just don't know what to expect. I have no idea yeah. if like, I'm going to be running into that evening or that late afternoon, like who knows, but yeah, it'll but be fun no matter what. Very good. That's <laughs> I'm good. Just, you know, it'll be an adventure. <laughs> yeah. What are you expecting? Good things in your body. You feeling good? You said, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. You know, I, I had my body felt unreal during this train block. Like I couldn't believe. And, um, starting last week, I had a little bit of a setback that I'm working through. Um, but that's the difference is like, really, you know, I had this setback and, um, instead of just like kind of internally freaking out and like going to see my acupuncturist and like, being like oh what's happening um i you know have like someone like a team um and i'm taking the steps and and um, so i'm not panicking i'm you know and i can understand why maybe this flare-up happened and mitigate it before so you know um in some ways it's untimely because it happened right um like two weeks before but you know it didn't happen during the bulk of my training so um, really, you know, that is a huge confidence boost. And I think, um, you know, I think I, I really feel confident that I, it's going to be resolved by the time I get to the start line, just because I know what's going on. Cool. Well, we'll be, we'll be cheering for you from back here. Um, I, we don't have a ton of time left, but I did want to talk about, um, so I want to talk about, um, the podcast it's B rad, right? Yep. The B rad yep. podcast. Yeah, B Red podcast. Um, again, your first episode was with Des Linden. What, um, like, what made you kind of want to get into that? You know, you've got more than enough other things going on, and we'll talk a little bit about Method <laughs> Seven Trail as well. But um, great first stab at it. You know, again, I haven't listened to the full episode, but the clips that I've seen were very compelling. Oh, thanks. Um, I I just you know wanted to. First of all, I just, I, I, I guess I just wanted to engage with the community in a different way. Like I don't like, um, just having like that social media presence, you know, I, I feel like, um, sometimes that's really difficult for me doing social media and then having this other medium, um, first of all is fun and cool and conversation is, um, is something I enjoy. And then also it's just a different way to be out there and to have, um, you know, to talk about the brands that I work for and to talk to cool people. Um, and to, you know, I get so bored with like the snap photo caption format and I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is like, but like, I don't know what else to post. And I, you know, um, and I post when it feels, good and authentic but then all of a sudden i'm not posting it up and you know blah 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 blah. so um doing the podcast it's just like another medium that i feel like um feels more natural to me and that i don't have to force like if i just seek out cool conversations with cool people you know that's gonna you know well i'm happy yeah i'm happy you're doing it because i like to see somebody um you know a lot of a lot of the people that are doing it are either not doing it at your level or did it at your level, but there's not a lot of people doing it at your level who are now going to be talking about it. 
And so I think it's it's very compelling to listen to those stories, especially just hearing how you know you are relating to Des versus me, you know, interviewing Des is going to be such a different conversation. So, yeah. Um, thanks. Yeah, I yeah. think it it is cool, and um, I hope to like talk to not just runners, but to you know tons of athletes and yeah. you know high performing people. Yeah, that's the. I, I wish that I had launched way earlier in 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 Athlinks, um, and at the time the interview format wasn't really big, so a lot of people that were doing things were. I just never had enough. You know, one I was always way too busy with Athlinks, but mm -hmm. then just to kind of try to bring all that stuff together. Um, but the the people that I've met and the stories, you know, it, it's just it is remarkable. The I don't know, the human spirit, it's all cliche, but the, the people that I've met and the things that some people that have done that you would never suspect, you know, just like mm -hmm. the guy working in accounting, you know, and the things that some of these people have done have just been, I love the stories. I love, I love talking to these people. Yeah. yeah it's super cool. What is, um, yeah. so what is the method seven method seven trail project company that you're involved in? Um, yeah, so it's a super cool story. I, um, my agent put me in touch with method seven, um, around March, 2021. And I went and, um, met with them, uh, James, the CEO, um, and KK who, uh, was working, um, on kind of like, uh, working with him at the time. Um, and I, um, you met them. I love the product. And at the time I was, you know, not sure what my career was going to look like or what I wanted it to look like. And, um, kind of thinking about myself beyond trail running. Um, and so I was like, I want to be a part of this more than just an athlete. I want to, so I, um, KK and I were going to, you know, build this brand together, um, as the brand managers. And, you know, I was going to, you know, be, and I guess I didn't say method seven ultra trails and, um, eyewear company. We like are the only company out there that's making eyewear specifically for trail running. And, um, our first super, product is actually super coming cool. Out. Super cool. Yeah. <laughs> it is super is cool. And let totally me tell you, look. it's like, it's, it like works well. Um, wow. you know, the idea was dawn, you can wear these dawn to dusk. You can wear these in the trees or at 10,000 feet at the, in the Alpine. And, um, you know, we've tested the, those lenses and they, you know, I will actually put them on in the trees, um, because I get better contrast with the shadows. So it's again, incredible. Um, but I, you know, so KK and I were going to take on this project together. And then, um, it, it, you know, due to some circumstances, it, I ended up just being me as the brand manager. So that's part of the reason I took a lot of time off running is because I was just like last winter, I was just, you know, you know, I, I'm a teacher. I'm not like a brand manager. I've never <laughs> like done any of this. And so I was just learning how to build a brand from the gr ground up, market it, build the community. Um, and during this time, uh, and then developed a product too. And, um, during this time, I realized that, um, Hey, I do actually want to keep pursuing running. You know, I got that yeah. break and I got excited about it again. So, you know, I, it took me a while to, um, build, uh, you know, it, 
so I, anyway, I um, have been, you know, redefining my role with method seven and I'm still okay. brand manager and I'm still brand voice. Um, and, but now KK came back on board and she's on, um, on my team and she is helping execute a lot of these projects that I just with running simply didn't have yeah. the bandwidth for. Um, yeah. and then I, you know, running is really important to me and I want to give it yeah. a true stab. Um, so I was just, you know, working like at a startup, like 60 hours a week and trying awesome. to train as a professional athlete until, until like last month. So, okay. um, I, it's been, it's been really, really great, um, having KK back and, you know, I really just can't tell you how much I believe in this product and, you know, um, it, it's, I, I've never been able to wear eyewear or yeah. sunglasses, but the aviatrix are super cool. They're, they're like trail yeah. running aviators that you're right. And so that's actually what's, those are designed for pilots. So on the 26th, we're coming out with the Huntress, which is um, named after how I kind of like to race. I mm. love those, the last third of the race when I am hunting. You know, I that's where you know when I was at CCC in 2021 and I was having a bad day. That's kind of where I realized how much I love the you know the true racing part. Mm. I love you know chasing other women I love, um, you know, trying my best and, yeah. um, get it, you know, squeezing the most out of myself. Um, and so, um, that is going to be the, it's, um, we remodeled the aviatrix with the trail specific lenses. They're called okay. the trail 26 lenses and then, um, change the temple tips on them to, um, uh, you know, better suit trail running. So there are rubber temple tips and have a rubber piece. And so they stay on and they are cool. Um, yeah. What do you bring? What do you, you know, uh, the one thing that, um, I was actually just talking to Phil Pinty or I was re-listening to episode 42. I was pulling some clips, um, Phil Pinty. And we were talking about one of the beauties of running trail running, uh, is everything's pretty immediate, you know, even in a hundred and it, maybe it's 24 hours later, but you sort of know what you're getting very quickly. There's a lot of instant gratification with athletics in general, you know, product management, building brands and all of that stuff is much more my wheelhouse where it's, you know, you do have from time to time, you'll have some instant successes, but for the most part, it's a very long grind. You know, it's much more of a sort of a marriage type of proposal um, mm-hmm. What have you brought to brand development, product development that I guess frustrates you in a way, but um, I guess your strengths as a runner and, and how do you equate the two? Um, you know, I think my strengths as a runner have really been what I've brought to the table at Method 7. And that's like counter to what um you just said and it's just like being extremely passionate and being a fast actor um Mm. and you know to some extent you're right it's a slow burn um building a company from the ground up but sometimes you just got to make a decision and um and then you gotta like promote or promote something and not think about it too hard and you know um i i'm an extremely passionate person and i take that wherever to, to whatever I'm doing. So, you know, um, they were like, we want to develop a uh, trail running 
a pair of like trail running specific frames and we're, you know, and I'm like, well, that's great. Um, but they're, you know, they're not going to be ready for like two years. Let's come out with this one, a special edition of this one frame that we know Mm -hmm. trail runners like already, which is the aviatrix that we're talking about. Um, that's being rebranded to trail running as the huntress. Um, and put the trail running frame if lenses in there that we know we've perfected. We perfected the lens and we have a, already a super cool frame. We'll make it limited edition and see how it does just to get product uh-huh. out there. Um, because, you know, something that was killing me was I loved the brand. I loved the product and I was talking about it and talking about it, but not having um, something to show people. And, yeah. um, and so, you know, it was all what I like to say it it was all the fluff and none of the stuff and I um you know I think you know getting some of those um you know just just you know taking that passion and like being like we can we can do this like why not you know um and and applying it to this brand um has been really helpful but i will say you know as someone who has never built a business it's been a steep learning curve um and as someone who's you know i'm a s- extremely creative person which has helped the brand and the mission and the vision and uh, designing the product and um you know directing brand voice but i'm not good at like pricing index and like budgets and you know all the like and and executing some of the small stuff um just because i you know a i'm super busy and b you know i i have to learn all these processes that you know someone better suited should have done it so you know i i just want to reiterate um how grateful i am to have kk back who yeah um you know was the one that brought me into method seven she uh she's been you know since bringing her on last month we've gotten more done than we have in the last you know five months I think one of the best lessons I've ever learned in building a business is hire for your weaknesses. Like you're, you're never yep. going to, you're never going to strengthen your weaknesses to the point that you're going to be better than hiring for them. So I, I learned that luckily very early on, I've had some phenomenal people over the years, um, you know, help build the the companies that, that I've been lucky enough to build. Um, Charlie Munger, he has a quote, something to the effect of like success is, more rooted in consistently trying not to be stupid than it is to try to be brilliant, you know, like, mm-hmm. and it, it is so true. Like if you just kind of string together enough, not bad decisions, then you'll sort of, you know, as long as you have the passion and the runway to get there, then you'll, you'll get there. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. I, I think that's super smart. And I, um, yeah. you know, I think we definitely learned that as a company this year and I think it's going to take us to, you know, it's going to make us competitive in in the industry. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. You want to, you want to answer five quick questions for, uh, for us to get to know you a little bit better. Sure. I have to, I have another meeting in 10 minutes just so you know. Okay. We'll keep it. We'll try to keep it about five minutes and then we'll be done here. Um, okay. So number one, living or dead, who would you like to do a long run with? Oh, wow. Um, that's so tough. Um, I'd say, uh, Bert Kreischer, the comedian. Oh, I love Bert. <laughs> okay. <very good. laughs> yeah. I'll give you a ding for that one. Uh, what is your favorite race that you've done? Um, uh, probably 
Leadville, honestly. Yeah, what was it about Leadville above all of the others? The community is so strong. It's like, yeah. you know, all the cheesy stuff that you like hear about Leadville where they're like, um, you know, once you're, you know, Ken's like, once you race Leadville, you're family. Like, you're like, ah, yeah. that's not true until you do it. And you're like, oh, yeah. yeah, like it is. He really means that. So, yeah. Yeah. All my years with Lifetime, I, I spent a lot of time up in Leadville. So listeners <laughs> to this podcast, like the, at times this almost feels like um, Cole's podcast about Leadville. Like I talk about <laughs> it so much, but it is, it is, you just have to go up there. It is freaking magical. I love that town. I love the races, et cetera. So I'll give you a <laughs> ding for that one. What's the bucket list race that you haven't done that you'd like to do? Oh man. Or maybe not a really... race, but just some other effort. Um, wow. Um, there are a lot i would really like to and um i'd really like to complete the collegiate peaks loop which um courtney dewalter just set the fkt on um mm -hmm. i was going for that fkt actually in 2020 and then got evacuated from wildfires and smoke so oh, i didn't bummer. get to close the loop and man it's just like mile for mile the most beautiful most rugged route out there i think very cool awesome um, do you have like a, a favorite sports book or movie or something that kind of gets you motivated in that way? I don't watch any sports movies or books. Movies. <laughs> I don't okay. read. Yeah, I don't read don't any read of it um, just because it's, my life is like so yeah. immersed in, in oh, running. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, no problem. Um, and then, uh, how do you get up for your hard efforts? Like, what what is do you have a what is your secret for I guess the, the mental side of the game. Um, yeah, if you're running early in the morning, um, have a treat for breakfast. Like I have always, like on my hard days, if I, especially if I have to do them in the morning, which I usually do, I like uh, make sure I have, I wake up with like a, a really yummy, delicious treat. Yesterday I had a workout and I had a little cheesecake before. Um, <laughs> And then also um, not like realizing that hurting a little bit in a workout is an opportunity. Like, you know, it hurts. It's really hard, but it should also feel kind of good. Like, and if you just accept that, then it like that pain, it feels good to push and like, it, like, and being proud of yourself for getting to that point. Like it, it's, it's good, you know. Embrace the suck as they say. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, very good. Well, Kat, thank you. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining me and all of us here. I know you're super busy, so I really, really, truly appreciate you making the time to come on. Um, and uh, where can we find you in the world? Yeah, um, so visit my website at katbrad.com. I do weekly newsletters where I just talk about um, my life or what blog's coming out or, you know, yesterday it came out and I did. I announced that I signed a contract with Garmin. Um, or find me at my podcast, which is the B, B Rad the podcast. Um, that's on Spotify or wherever you get podcasts. And then on Instagram, I'm Cat B Rad. Perfect. Awesome. Well, uh, it has been a pleasure. Good luck next week in uh, Puerto Vallarta. I hope uh, the I hope the course is something that is. Uh, I hope they weren't keeping it a secret for bad reasons. So I hope it's wonderful <laughs> yeah, me and too. amazing. So cool, <laughs> and, and I hope the body well, body hang holds up. 
Thank you so much. I appreciate the chat. Yeah, you're very welcome. Have a great night. All right. You too. Bye. -bye. Bye. That is the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. Now I'd like to ask you for three simple things that you can do to help grow and support the show. First, give us a quick five-star rating on Apple or Spotify and obviously give it a follow wherever you listen. Second, follow us on Instagram at Faster Forward Show. Third, share the link or tell a friend about this episode if you think they would enjoy it. Otherwise, let us know if you have any comments, questions, or a guest that you'd like to hear on the show. You can hit us up on Instagram or drop us an email to troy at busot.com, and that's B-U-S-O-T. And as always, until next time, keep it moving faster forward, everybody. 